Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you think about now a film where Eddie Murphy plays several roles within a film, now that's looked on as almost a sign of dreadful. Whereas this, I mean, he plays the characters in the barbershop and um, Randy Watson from Sexual Chocolate. (laughs) He he plays these characters and my younger brother, who is in his mid-twenties, had never seen this film. Right. And he watched it and he loved it. And I think that is a five. I will sit down and defend this film to the death purely for how funny it is. There are flaws with it. I know it's not perfect. I love it. And I think there's enough there for pretty much anyone. Hello, film fans. Joining Flixwatcher in the studio today, we have Rich. Hello. Ben. Hey. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're reviewing Coming to America. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have Ben and Rich. If you would like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hello, my name is Rich Nelson. I do the Betamax Video Club podcast, all about 80s films. And um, this is one of my favourites. It's one of your favourite ones. And uh, you, you, well, you cho- we'll get to why you chose it, certainly. But is Eddie Murphy, does he loom large in your 80s uh, catalogue? Yes, I think um, everything of his 80s run was pretty much high up there in my favourite list. Uh, obviously, anything after probably this was hit and miss, mostly miss. But uh, I think his run of 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, Trading Places, and pretty much everything up to this was pretty much solid gold. And I was going to say, do you ever have to explain what Betamax is to anyone? Because obviously it's it's a very long gone term um it is and luckily most of the people who listen to it are old enough to remember <laughs> <laughs> i never had a beat to us i knew they no, existed and the other one VHS. VHS. that's it yeah. come on the one that everyone well, had. i was like trying to remember what the other one was and i was like oh and I thought it was too obvious. But yeah, that was american wasn't it Betamax was more of the american one um no they both Betamax was sony um but they were both they were both competing they both had different things about them but mainly 
Mainly porn. That's made what it comes down. It's yeah. the same with Blu-ray and HD. Mainly porn, yeah. but VHS, but also yeah. when Betamax first came out, it had a limited run of like 60 minutes. Um, VHS was starts off at, at 90, so already had an advantage in terms of time, so it just made it easier for people to record more stuff. Um, and then when they started releasing films on VHS, it just made it like easier. Obviously, Betamax got better, but yeah. Anyway, so I, yeah. I never realised you had such a... Uh, Phenomenal Inside knowledge of, yeah. of uh, analogue porn. Beat page. <laughs> and who are you? You're the, the, the fourth voice. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, I'm Ben. I run at uh, Top Film Tip on Twitter, where uh, twice a day I put out synopsis of the most interesting uh, films on TV, on British TV, free to air. So, for instance, uh, for coming to America, my uh, tip would be despondent with affluenza and ennui. Callow African prince seeks woman of worth in unforgiving New York neighbourhood. Astute fish out of water comedy coming to America. So coming to America, as we said, Rich is your choice. Um, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a one minute synopsis? Um, well, I think this was one of the films that I remember, and again watching it when I was probably far younger than the certificate suggested. Shall we? Just how old, how old are we here, guys? I'm forty. I've just turned forty. I just what? turned forty. I'm forty in a couple of months. Okay, so we're in the, we're in the forties club in the eighties. So we're we're both we're all in the except for Helen, who is always twenty one. <laughs> well, you're always twenty. You're twenty one when you're born. We we're all single digits in the eighties. Is my is yes, my point. So yes. we're watching these films when we shouldn't have been watching these. Absolutely. Films. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And um, and again, watching this, even as a a young man growing up in sort of North London, everything about this film was hilarious to me for for various reasons watching it as an adult now and and at the point where I'm married with kids and it's everything from the fact that this centers around a young prince who's basically betrothed into an arranged marriage and Mm. decides that he needs to go and find his own princess and the adventure that he goes on with his I suppose best friend with slightly ulterior motives and going to, I suppose, the randomly chosen Queens in New York, which I'd never been to at the time, but the way it's portrayed in comparison to the African paradise that he's grown up in. And it is, there is the element of fish out of water there, and there is also the element that he finds a woman that he's attracted to and very much on the verge of love, but has to pretend he's someone he's not Mm. in order to find out that, you know, she doesn't love him for who he is. Oh, sorry, she does love him for who he is and not purely because of his background or access to funds or anything like that. So th- there's a lot of threads throughout the film and they're all hilarious. So what's the synopsis? Um, so Akeem, he turns 21, he's due to meet his, his wife-to-be, decides that he's going to go to America, meet his meet someone that he actually loves because he doesn't want to meet someone who's been essentially bred to serve his every whim, which is part of his country's supposed tradition um and he finds a woman who he loves who they work in a very closely related to mcdonald's he takes a low-paid job there with his friend and they live in a really slummy apartment block in a really grotty part of new york and basically woos her away from her very sleazy rich boyfriend Mm. by being a really nice guy and all the while, his best friend and manservant tries to convince him otherwise and that he hates it and he needs to go back to really where he's from and where comfort is. Helen, what are your thoughts on coming to America? So um, I've, I've remembered seeing, seeing this lots in my childhood and I was surprised that it's actually a 15. I assumed it was a bit lower, but... Um, you thought it lower like, than a 15? 
Well, I kind of assumed the fact that I was allowed to watch it and watch it multiple times at an age that was, as we've already said, not even into the uh, double digits. Um, I, sh- I just kind of assumed, but um, on rewatching it, there's there's quite a lot of boobs in it, and it's it's pretty sweary, which you'd expect from Eddie Murphy mm. in the in America um, during the eighties. Um, I think rewatching it, I was surprised that it's aged pretty well. I, I did wonder how well it was going to have aged. Um, and you know, there's something quite sweet about Eddie Murphy who writes this story um, about a guy who doesn't want to end up marrying a beautiful woman who is there to serve him, and he actually wants to go out and find true love and, mm. and true connection. So there's something quite sweet about that. And um, Nile Rogers is on the soundtrack there. Um, you've got loads of amazing '80s outfits as well. So um, yeah, it, I quite enjoyed rewatching this, having not seen it for probably a good. 20 years or something. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, ben? Um, yeah, I I was expecting this to have not stood up very well. Yeah, you did um, say that when, when, I sent, when I sent you the, the choice, you were like, oof, let's yeah. see how this plays out. Um, I think uh, we we live in a... More what you might What you might be, des- what could be described as a very socially conservative uh, time in some, in some regards, and mm-hmm. people find offence in places that perhaps they didn't used to find offence. And, and um, I was expecting this film to um, perhaps not sit so well today. As it turns out, I think it was very deft. It was it was well, it's a really well-constructed film. Mm-hmm. Um, on, it's, it feels a bit slower and baggier than you might expect um, a film, a comedy these days to feel. I think it's almost two hours yeah. or, yeah. or 150. I think this would be a 90 minute film. It would be a bit tighter now. Well, it depends um, on who's helming it. If it was uh, Paul sure Feig or Jones, it'll yeah, be, well, be even longer. Interesting. Landis wanted to chop quite a bit out of it um, and would have chopped it down. He felt it was a bit too slow. So if there had been a director's cut, then he, he was... Would have made it tighter. Yeah. Because I think this, I mean, this is a, a rom-com and I think the, the thrust of them getting to know each other takes a, a fair bit of the time, doesn't it? So I'm, I, well, we'll talk about this a bit later on, I guess, but I feel the time was there, but maybe take out 10 minutes or so, but it wouldn't have taken yeah. out half an hour. I would. <laughs> Sorry, um, Ben. Yeah, so um, I think uh, to its credit, it's, it's it's got a lot going for it. Um, the one thing I'd say, I don't really... I remember watching this as a child mm. um, and quite enjoying it, I guess. Um, it didn't really make me laugh. It, it was interesting and... and what, well, as a child the, or now it didn't make Now. Me. Okay. Um, the, the character moments, Eddie Murphy, I mean, he's a, he's a incredible character actor and... Um, with uh, his friend Arsenio Hall. Uh, All that stuff between those guys is is fantastic. Um, I found that the actual love interest, it it twists a few things. So one thing that's quite interesting is uh, there's a thing, um, there's a a sort of trope in film called um, Born Sexy Yesterday. So you think about... um, uh, fifth element, you know, you've got this gorgeous, beautiful woman, but she's too innocent to know that maybe Bruce Willis is just too old and ugly for her. Yeah. And so he's, so she's available sexually and that becomes interesting to the audience that there's this beautiful woman who's too innocent to know that she shouldn't really be available to people like us watching the film. Um, in this, it kind of twists it. So you, you actually have him play that character. He has the innocence. He doesn't know. He's the man who is... Um, on the surface, very you know appealing to women, um, not just for his looks, but for his his wealth and his position. And he comes to America um, naive, 
fish out water. And that is, that's a really, really interesting um, take on things. Even today, that would be an interesting yeah. twist around. And I can't think of anything else that doesn't come to mind where that's, there's a similar yeah, thing at play. Typically, it is the female role. But I think it's, I, I was really kind of taken back by, oh, yeah, you just don't, you, you still don't have this kind of film. Yeah. Um, from the male perspective. And, and also the other thing um, I found is I, I was watched a few YouTube videos on this and mm. some interviews, some recent, more recent, like last sort of five years or so interviews with um, with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. And what's interesting is this was a, essentially an all black cast in the 80s and it was blockbuster worldwide. Like it, it's the only film with a black lead that ever did well in Japan. And Japan's a big market. It's twice as big as the UK, for instance. Um, and it isn't, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing. It's not thought of as a, a black film. It is a popular comedy film from yeah. the 80s. just happens to have an all-black cast. And um, again, like today, you think of the fanfare around Black Panther, which is also about an African prince um, with loads and loads of wealth that people don't really know who he is. Um, but that there was a whole big to-do about that film because it was a predominantly all-black cast. And you look back 30 years and you've got this film essentially doing the same thing, playing really well, mm. making big money. Um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of points of interest from a filmmaking point of view. I mean, it's just such the star power of Eddie Murphy at that time. And he was like, I think he was like 24 when he made this film, which is wow. obscene um, and makes me, I'm amazed that he, he did this. But this is like, as, as Rich said, first film, 40 Hours. Uh, he was a superstar on um, Saturday Night Live. Then it was uh, Trading Places and uh, Beverly Hills Cop. So he was like, he was one of the few actors that were still was kind of pulled into the studio system. It was like, we need to hold on to this guy. Guy, dude, what do you want to do? We'll give you a carte blanche. And he's like, well, I've got this idea. And they're like, yes, we'll do it because you're Eddie Murphy and you're one so, of the quickest, brainiest wits. So not wanting to talk over again and again, um, but uh, on the interview I was watching today, mm. uh, that was the first question. How did you come up with this idea, Eddie? And he was saying that him and it might have even been Arsenio Hall. I think they were doing like a, a stand-up tour and they were just going around america in clubs and and places doing their thing and he was finding it really difficult to find he was single and he wanted to find a a, a special lady friend if you <laughs> want to use the parlance of our times that and, was Eddie uh, murphy's main vice by the way yeah. drink or drugs it was it was ladies, it was ladies. His, uh, even and, now and what he found is that he couldn't people knew who he was people yeah. knew he was wealthy and he had absolutely no idea if a woman was interested in him because of who he is yeah. or what he had and therein is the premise, is the, the essentially the, the whole point of this film. So, Eddie Murphy, for you guys, what, what, what were your thoughts of him then and now-ish? I, I think this was probably, the, and again, with the, the 80s bias, <laughs> and other than the odd sort of outlier in, in I think it was a Bowfinger and films like that, that that came a little bit later on. This was So not, not Daddy's Daycare? Uh, no, and, and certainly not the, the Doolittle films or anything <laughs> like that. But this was, to me, his last film that I loved, the last almost great film of his. That I mean, the, the first three that we mentioned, they were, imagine having that on your CV as your first three movies. Mm. Where would you go from there? Yeah, and, and even this, he's managed to pull this off. I mean, yes, he's got John Landis directing, who's got form for some of the best comedies. But he does this, and and this was also one where, if you think about now, a film where Eddie Murphy plays several roles within a film, now that's looked on as almost a sign Turn of off, yeah. dreadful. Yeah. Whereas this, I mean, he plays the characters in the barbershop and 
um, Randy Watson from Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> you know, he, he plays these characters and they're funny. They're not too much because he knows at this point, keep them down to virtually cameos. Yeah. You know, this isn't Norbit or the Clumps or anything like that. Oh, the Nutty Professor. And and again, it's it's just, it works so well. He's not full sort of turned up to 11 Eddie Murphy. He he actually keeps He's his, quite reserved keeps lid on it. His yeah. performance really is so straight throughout and it's everyone else who reacts around him. And I mean, I didn't know an awful lot about Arsenio Hall at the time. And I think it was another film I looked at once, I'm going to get you sucker, or the sort of black exploitation parody. And a lot of the cast of that had been related to the Arsenio Hall show, which in this country, hardly anyone knows anything about, but it was no. such a giant in America in the eighties. Mm. And again, you know, he, this is virtually all I know him for. And yet, you know, he's out for the sequel as well. Looking forward to the sequel? What are your, what are your thoughts on Eddie Murphy, Helen? So, yeah, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop for me and this were kind of the Eddie Murphy that I knew and grew up with. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm not interested in any of The Nutty Professor or anything where he dons a fat suit. Um, but I did enjoy Bowfinger, which you mentioned. Mm. Um, I thought that was good. So, yeah. Um, so I don't really know that much about the sequel other than it's been said there is one <laughs> it's in production, it's, it's in production. It's, and for me i don't know if i'm interested in a sequel for this when i heard as a as a counterpoint when i heard there's a sequel is he coming third, back to america it's coming, coming to, to america. number two america. america when i heard there's a sequel to bill and ted i was like oh actually i can see that I want, i'm interested in hearing and no, seeing that no you weren't you were <laughs> no, excellent yeah sure i did that um but for this i was like i'd like to see how it plays out i hope eddie does really well in it because I always just, it's, every time you see him, and you get this with other actors, Will Smith being another one, just like, dude, come on, you just need, you're better than this. You are better than this. You can, need you, a hit. can you Can you do well, this? Um, uh, did anybody see Dolomite is My Name? Dolomite is fantastic. Was that, I mean, it was, again, that didn't, that didn't strike me as a cinematic experience. It was kind of, it was a, a bit long and a bit, uh, it didn't, it didn't feel, big and have the cinematic scope mm. but that was a, that was a really interesting film yeah. and he was fantastic and that's it? that Dolomite is the main thing that's kind of making me think well coming to America could be quite good um, and also I mean outside of that like I said Bowfinger and uh, Dreamgirls was the other film where he was quite quite good um, but yeah it's been it's been like Eddie it's quite a big gap mm. my first question when I heard about the sequel was just why you know he can't need the money and the premise, I believe, is that he has a son. And again, this is, you know, the, the film should expand on this, but he has a son. But at what point does he have the son? Is it during the marriage? At the, You know, we know this film ends up with him marrying the girl at the end. Or has he been, did he do something that we didn't see in this film? Probably not. So we have to find out where is this son who is the prince of Zamunda? Well, we can process, we can think about the sequel. Yeah. I guess well, it's kind of sidetracking, but it's yeah. interesting. There's another one coming, but I mean, we had other uh, big cast members here: James Earl Jones. Well, the biggest, the biggest surprise for me, and like, having Cuba seen this child, Cuba, where was Cuba? He was Cuba, getting his haircut. Cuba was the first guy. Oh, was his haircut. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, Sam Jackson. Yes. Yes. Boom. That was amazing. Yeah. I was so I was I was just thrilled to see Sam in there, and he he was like. He was like 80% Pulp Fiction and Sam also, at that point. And also Frankie Faison, who yes. plays Burrell in, yes. in The Wire. And also oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Eric LaSalle as well yeah. from, yeah. from, from ER. ER. Um, With glorious hair. 
that Samuel L. Jackson scene, I going back to what you said, Helen, about being allowed to watch this, I think we probably all saw a sanitised version of this. We saw mm. it that's taken off ITV and, was, well, this is certainly how I watched it. It was recorded from the TV and they'd overdubbed it. I and, saw it with Forget You. Yeah, so that's yeah. it. So Samuel mm. Jackson was, Forget You! Yeah. And that, me and my brother, for the, for the longest time, thought A, that was a real line, and B, thought it was the funniest line in the entire world. Yeah. So when I first saw A at the start... I think they cut out that your royal penis is, mm. is clean, your highness. No, that's always, always, yeah. always been in it. No, I'm, no, no, I'm, te- I'm telling you what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the line that we all thought, me and my brother thought mm. was the funniest thing ever. No, but I'm saying in the versions I saw, that, that scene just wasn't you in it. You cheated. Yeah, but I'm, I'm telling you what I see. There's a lot of and, boobs at the beginning of this film. And then at the... Um, and then that forget you line was a scene that was like in the in the version that we had on videotape, which is recorded, yeah. was forget you. And when I saw it for the first time, A with the boobs, B with the with the fuck you was like, oh, this is a different. You were, you were robbed as a child of I mean, inappropriate how, language. I don't think they do that nudity. much now, though, do they? They don't tend to overdub films anymore on you can buy, TV. Find stuff on the internet if you want. Well, no, to but they, I mean, even the, they recently released a version of RoboCop on on Blu-ray that includes as an extra the sanitized version of RoboCop. Really? So it yeah. has the t- the release for TV with, I mean, it doesn't muddy cut, funsters. It cuts yeah. none of the violence out, none of which is weird, blood. isn't it? Yeah, but but there's no swearing. I mean, what's well, interesting? Uh, I don't know when the last time you saw um, Back to the Future, but I mean that was a that was a mainstay of my childhood, mm. one of my all time favorite films. Um, I'm very hesitant to watch that with my children. I really want to, but there's lots and lots and lots of swearing in that film. There is. It's, it's more, and it's ones that your kids will take away and use elsewhere as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, things were different in the 80s with the PG. Um, who else is in this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Samuel Jackson in this. Um, John Amos. John Amos. Uh, I suppose the father-in-law, Mr. McDowell. Yeah. And I, I guess I knew him from either this or he was one of the villains in Die Hard 2. Right. Um, but again, these are guys that you see in a lot of movies around that time, sort of late 80s, early 90s. Character actors, yeah. jobbing actors. And when, I guess seeing this now as well, versus seeing it in the when you were a kid there's so many more things that you kind of take away from it like that whole kind of no we're not like mcdonald's they they have the golden nuts we have the golden m whatever yeah. and we have they have the big mac we have the big mick at the time yeah. i just thought dude shut up <laughs> but then there's such a there's such a kind of a, a running thread through this film to the point where my biggest laugh this time round was him like looking at the mcdonald's <laughs> rule book and like uh, someone coming in the office and him chucking it away because I, I wouldn't have noticed that kind of stuff in so it's very i think it's very I, very kind of I, layered I, I massively appreciated uh eddie murphy's barbershop thing especially saul oh. yeah um the uh, that band there, between those four guys yeah, yeah. I, and and uh, in the in the interviews on youtube uh you can see him getting made up mm. i think they got a makeup expert in even now looking at videos of the guy doing the makeup without the cinematic lighting yeah. and so on of Eddie Murphy being a old Jewish guy. Yeah. Um, it's astonishing. It's really world-class. Yeah. And they were saying that he, um, when they, when he got made up, he went out and he was like in character flirting with, uh, the ladies on set. Um, they got the producer down and, um, and John Landis was like, Oh, meet Saul. And he's like, hi, uh, why why am I talking to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like face to face, inches away. He had no idea who he was. Um, that, it was really, really impressive. And like, like you say, but when, when you hear about Eddie Murphy doing Nor- um, Norbit or The Clumps, mm. you just think, and also Martin Lawrence and all those knobheads that do it. Um, you just think, for fuck's sake, guys, it's just, there is just better. But this is this is that that one time, it maybe another time when it's just like yeah. perfect. Him playing the Saul, him playing the main barber, 
Arsenio Hall playing the other guy. He plays the Reverend, doesn't he? Yeah, Arsenio yeah, he... plays the Reverend. Yeah. Um, and then he plays the um, sexual chocolate guy. Yeah, and he plays, and Arsenio Hall plays one of the women in the bar. I mean, it's, yeah. it's clearly oh, yeah, just yeah, him. Yeah. It's, in drag. It's, there's no effort there. Yeah, there's no effort there. And it's him hitting on both of them, really. So it's a, it's a good film. It's a good film. Uh, it was better than I thought. It stood up well. Uh, for context, I think some of you know, I watched um, Soul Man on uh, Amazon Prime last night. That is a uncomfortable mm. watch today. Um, by comparison, that you know, this this does hit a lot of marks and it's, it lands better than I expected. There were a few holes, there were a few problems I found. I have no idea what... Um, his love interest, uh, Lisa, Lisa yeah. sees in her boyfriend who is a greedy coward with um, no apparent redeeming features or or character. Or I kind, of, I kind of always made out that it was her dad was like this guy. Yeah. He's the guy for I you, think, and, and she kind of I, just, I, kind I, of stomached I felt it. That they, yeah. they, they were, they he were together, has right? to be. He has to be like a bad guy as well because he, Eddie Murphy has to be and the righteous one. And so the it's just shop, kind of like it's yeah, written when he says you go if you want to get a nice American girl, you go for a daddy, and that's how he's gone for. You know, he gives his dad the tickets for the football games. And, yeah, yeah, but there's no, but it's not like his dad's trying to encourage her to get with this guy. Like they're together. They're a, they're an item, right? Or did I completely miss? No, but I get, I get the impact that he like introduced them way back when. And there's like, he's, an, he's a good guy for you. He'll, he'll treat you right. And she's like, well, you know, daddy, that's maybe right. So then, okay, fair enough. So then, so then my second point is, um, she really feels like a placeholder to me. Um, so Eddie Murphy's character, mm-hmm. Akeem, is very, very strong. Like he's got a lot going on. He's he's got motivation. He's got history. You can he's got like, you know, it's the interesting thing of having everything and n- not having a struggle. And so so needing something in your life of that matters, feeling like you worked for something, it makes perfect sense. Um, he wants to have a woman who is engages him. Uh, arouses his mind as well as his loins yeah. i think is it's and um and and that's a really interesting trait and so he gets to new york he meets a a, a horror show uh <laughs> of of a carousel of awful women in the um in the club and then the first woman he sees who stands up and and kind of speaks clearly on a you know kind of a worthwhile topic he's like this is the woman for me mm. and then she doesn't really have a lot going for her after that point like she uh, other than not being like those other women she doesn't really have a personality she doesn't really have i mean that's where it kind of, that's where it does kind of default to type of male protagonist finds yeah finds i think that's probably just a um you know a natural outcome of eddie murphy trying to write a female character. I mean, this is Eddie Murphy film. It's he, about him. The he, main character is He him didn't write the script, though. He, he, no, he, don't the think. story was him, John Landis, yeah. and someone else wrote the, yeah. wrote the script. It, you know, it's the, it's the vehicle for him mm. and, you know, American 80s yeah. romantic comedies were never... It's very rare that the women parts are written particularly yeah. well. And so, that's why that's why I said I think I would, I'm quite happy with it being two hours because if, if it had been shorter, I feel that I was getting to know Lisa... That would have been the first thing to go. Yeah, that would have been curtailed. Um, cause I think we do get a bit of you know, as we get to see why Eric LaSalle's character is a twat, um, and that's why she would want to um move away from him. I'm always, and this is a, this is generally like a film thing where people fall in love, people tend to fall in love, apart from like when Harry met Sally, people tend to fall in love very quickly, and it's a whirlwind thing, and that's the thing that I can kind of find the hardest in. But it has to happen like that in yeah. films, or they'd be like. Mm. 
eight hours long. I, I'd say that's the... It's it's no before sunset and no. after sunset, yeah. which, you know, we're not coming to this film expecting that. Yeah. I'd say that's the one aspect of the film that really shows its age compared to everything. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, this film could have been a total car crash, mm. like, from what I... I expected what to see after 30 years or so. You just thought 80s film, male protagonist. I remember there being boobs in it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think there was a couple of things that just touched on that point that I did, I don't think would happen or be, like I said, more woke atmosphere. And the first thing is that when Eddie's in, been introduced to his bride and he doesn't know who it is and there's a large woman that comes to the front <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, yeah. that, I, that was like, dude, the fat shaming doesn't happen that that wouldn't that happen was that very way. much a shock value sort of visual yeah. joke for yeah um so that's i think i mean that, that body was, type's quite popular now so well it's not that's not the, that's beside the point <laughs> yeah. there's the fact they were horrified by it yeah absolutely yeah that is that i, I think that's I the main thing and also a little bit it was an older woman as well wasn't it um i think it's more the size of her yeah, yeah. A, a bit of both yeah um yeah i i the other the other thing as well i suppose i'm a, i'm a little bit of a, a republican when it comes to the royals and it's quite nice that he's got like a million pounds to spend on earrings and he's got money to throw away and stuff but every time there was one of these i know it's i know it's absolutely ridiculous to pick a film of this <laughs> of this era apart like this and i i realize the the you know the absurdity of it but every time he was uh profligate with his um with his wealth i just thought like how many you know wh where was all that money coming from in this like african poor african uh country of zamunda where like you know one small family basically just hoard the entire wealth so that a guy can just like throw million dollar earrings at a woman in i can we can talk about how uh the super wealthy Nigeria after this podcast get, get their money uh, but that's not for here and now okay let's go to the scores for coming to America I'm Sam Clements host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival another podcast in the stripped media family a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to our spreadsheet of dreams. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, Rich, with your recommendability, please. Um, for this film, I, I'm going to be very honest. Um, I watched this film in preparation for this podcast at the week, uh, a few days ago. And my younger brother, who is in his mid-twenties, had never seen this film. Right. And I was staying at their house for the weekend. And I said, right, I've got to watch Coming to America again. Put it on. And he watched it and he loved it. And I think that is a five. I will sit down and defend this film above almost any other to the death, purely for how funny it is. I, I know there are flaws with it. I know it's not perfect. I love it. And I think there's enough there for pretty much anyone. Five. Ben? Um, yeah, I, um, I realised I was just picking some really... Uh pinnacity points there but i think rich is is pretty right yeah it's an enjoyable film it's better than i remember it's better than i expected and i think 
you know, you, you could do a lot worse for an enjoyable rom-com style 80s comedy. Um, so I'll go with a four, I think. Helen? Yeah, so as we've already mentioned, you know, an all-black cast is, you know, still trying to get films like that made now. Um, to be able to do this in the 80s and, um, you know, be that successful is amazing. And um, it's aged reasonably well. I didn't remember it being this long, though, and I felt that once they, they kind of meet after that point, it's a little bit slow and it could have been wrapped up a little bit tighter, um, which is a shame because the bits that are funny and the really, really good bits are really funny. So for me, I would like to maybe see this magical editor's cut with a, a little bit shorter to... Um, keep it a bit punchier and I think the first half is funnier than kind of the middle bit and then it kind of picks up at the end so um, I'm going to go for 3.5 on this one. I just just to follow up on what Helen is saying now I, I think looking back now it just kind of occurs to me that pretty much all the interesting funny bits are bet broadly between Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall and it would have been nicer if it had like more of like a Harry Met Sally, I know that was like 10 years later or whatever, but if there was more character moments and more humour between Lisa, Lisa and Eddie Murphy, that would have healed that gap. That would have made the film whole, I think. Uh, I'm going 4.75 here. Um, there will take a, uh, a few people wouldn't like the swearing. Um, but apart from that, I'm like, good, if you haven't seen it, I'm glad, you're, I'm glad your brother, um, who hadn't seen it before, in this day and age... Yeah really really took to it and enjoyed that does give me kind of heart and it's, it does go to show when a film is well made and comes from a, a good place even though there were a, a few flaws in it as seen now it's still kind of it does work so Holds up. yeah um repeat viewing score rich um I, I think with this film um it, it does have boy meets girl boy falls in love with girl there is the slight peril where she finds out that he's the prince and suddenly isn't quite so sure because of the very slight deception because she thought he was a goat herder because that's what he told her. Um, so from that point of view, I, I think it loses a little bit of, of a repeat viewing because you know how it's going to end. There isn't anything vastly different from a formula there. Mm. I, I'd give it a four purely. I think that that's what would lose it a, a higher mark. But I think there's enough in there that the jokes and and especially if you come back to it a little bit later on, there are so many parallels with the Lion King because of the parents, yeah, um, and also Aladdin even. Well, that too, and and you know something my brother mentioned was, you know, James Earl Jones brings a fair bit of Darth Vader to this as well, and some of his lines could be straight out of a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I was because I think when we talk about the lineup, James Earl Jones was one of the biggest actors on the planet at this point he, but he not was, many people but one of the voices one of the people you actually didn't see that much in on screen or not known for his what he looks like on well, screen in, interestingly he plays a very different character in um soul man, soul man. Uh, where he's a really furiously uh strict and and rigorous um law professor right in, in harvard university and and that was interesting because yeah that that's a if anyone who doesn't know just look at the synopsis and you'll realize why that's a an uncomfortable film but it, but he you know he put himself in there as well um repeat being score ben i probably three i three i think um i would this wouldn't be a film i'd go out of my way to watch again but like i could envision a few years from now having like a hungover sunday afternoon 
You got your just, you got your McDowells and think let's yeah. go well with this McDowells. Yeah, let's get some second rate burgers <laughs> and just kind of try and like recover. You've got soul, uh, soul glowing. Yeah, <laughs> my hair shiny. What's left of it? Um, yeah, I, I I could like I don't know if it came around and I had you know I wasn't didn't have too much to do and I was a bit you know in the mood for a bit of comedy. I, I'd let it play. I think Helen. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a three as well. I'm not going to rush out and, and watch it again this week. But um, when you suggested it, I was like, yeah, I think I think I'm ready to watch this again. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen it. Loads. For me, I've definitely watched it a, a gazillion times. And we, like I said, we did have that that recorded from TV version, which <laughs> don't know whether the original PG source. Version. Yeah, the PG five version. Um, yeah, and. I'm glad it's on Netflix again and it was only a matter of time before I would have seen it uh, had you not recommended it and I hope it's on Netflix in a couple of years time because I will watch it again. So I'm going to go for 4.2 because I watched it loads and I still hope to keep on watching it for quite regularly uh, for the foreseeable future. And hopefully coming to America the sequel will be will be worth it. Mm. We'll see if that goes straight to Netflix. <laughs> right, small screen score. Has anyone actually seen this in the cinema? Yes. Oh, wow. T- tell us about it. Um, so uh, two or three years ago, there was a, a comedy um, group of people. Um, it was mostly around African-American comedy, and they presented this at the BFI mm. as part of a series of movies that they were doing. And they also had a Skype interview with John Landis at the end. And watching this in a full cinema where a lot of the people in the cinema were black it made, I think, because a lot of the humour, I mean, some of it would be, some of it is so universal. There isn't mm. that issue around, you know, we said about it's an all-black cast, but it really isn't massively relevant. It's not a massive part of the plot. And it was an incredible experience watching it with a couple of hundred people who were laughing at almost all of it. Um, and again, that, that might actually detract from watching it on the small screen because I have that experience of watching it in a full cinema. Um, but watching it on Netflix on a Saturday night with a couple of beers and a takeaway <laughs> was, was still pretty good with watching it, in my case, with someone who hadn't seen it before. Yeah. Um, I, I'll i give it a four and a half because, again, I'll watch it again. No matter how long it's on Netflix, I will watch it again. I've got it on DVD. But I, I have seen it on a big screen, which was incredible. Ben? Um, yeah, I... I would imagine certainly a comedy like this, um, something quite charismatic and bombastic. Um, I imagine the audience factor would be enormous mm. and it would be nice to see it, as we always say at the uh, Prince, Prince Charles. Charles. Um, uh, it, as part of an Eddie Murphy season. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would imagine that even though I, I didn't really laugh this time around and I found it a little bit baggy, I think watching it with a packed screen of semi-drunk punters everyone who knows the jokes coming in they know what's coming on it would it would be it would lend it another dimension so i but that said you know i don't uh, the audience factor aside i don't think it really loses much on a small screen it doesn't have i suppose the the opening scenes with all the stuff in the in the palace are really colorful and all the afro dance and and all that that stuff i think would be nice on the big screen but yeah three and a half helen um so yeah i'm gonna go 4.5 sort of echoing what you said, Rich, that, um, I mean, I've only ever seen it on a small screen, but the idea of watching it at least in company would be like something I think would be quite good fun. 
So if you haven't if you have not seen it, then definitely you know watch it on Netflix because it's it's there. But you know if there's a chance for you to watch it on the big screen, then yeah, or get some friends. Yeah, yeah, watch it with some friends. I'm going to go four point five as well. I think I would really like to watch it uh, Independence Charles. Ben, you've seen so your favorite film, Ben, is Big Lebowski, or at least what you you. Your stock answer is Big Lebowski. <laughs> uh, you say you've seen it at Prince Charles. What was that like yeah. for you watching it with people who knew everything about it versus your standard kind of watching it alone? Yeah, tremendous. Yeah, um, and it's I I think there's certain certain cult films mm. just deserve to be seen, and and it's a communal experience. You know, it, it's almost um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quite say religious, but it's uh it's an it's a shared group experience of other like minded like minded fans and um yeah any any if you do have a favorite film and you get the chance to see it in a cinema in an aud- with an audience and you've never done that before whatever that film is go you know, do it yeah um so engagement score rich i was so engaged with this film i i just can't take my eyes off it i am um, there's certain parts of it i love more i mean the, the, whenever i talk about the film on on social media it always seems to come back to something about the barbershop quartet, mm. uh, well, the, the barbershop scene. Um, but there are parts of it and, you know, it is, there is quite a universal story that boiled down to it. It's quite easy to get on board with. And, you know, most of it is hilarious. And I just, <laughs> I, I can't praise this film enough. I love it. Um, can I go for another five? You can yeah, do, of course. Sure. Yeah, it's your scores. Ben. Um, yeah, like, like I say, uh, he, he's he's magnetic on screen, Eddie Murphy, and um, and all the character moments with him and uh, Arsenio Hall, and, and the the stuff when he's he's playing other people is magnetic. You just can't look away. Um, the stuff with Lisa uh, and her dad, I found a bit dry and a bit baggy, and so yeah, I go with the four. Helen, so a little bit low for me, um, three point five. It did feel longer than I remembered it being. So maybe I did watch like an edited version that had just been made shorter. Um, and because I've seen it so many times, I didn't feel that I was completely glued to it. But um, yeah, it's it's still enjoyable. Yeah, I got 4.5. I was really, I, I'm thinking it must have been like 10 years since I watched it last. Um, so I was really looking forward to it. And I was like sat down, had the... Um, had the had the popcorn and stuff ready watching it and it was and it had an absolute blast with it and I knew everything that was coming up but I was excited for things that were coming up. I was excited to see Samuel L. Jackson um say forget you or <laughs> it's always gonna be forget you for me. And that's brilliant. Um so yeah, four point five. So on that, so when he arrives and everyone says fuck you and everything, was that still in it or was I, that not in it? I don't remember that, but it was the I'm not sure how they cut around that side of things, but it was the confrontation of fuck you tends to forget you because that's directly at the camera, well, at at uh, Arsenio and Eddie in such a visceral way. And it was his mouth on the moving it, at the same time. And, and the reason you and your brother thought it was so hilarious is because he was quite obviously not saying that. No, because we no, we, 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 just, we thought he was saying forget you and we thought that's such a, an odd thing to say. So we would go around saying forget you to people <laughs> at like seven or eight years old. This is why you don't obviously have swearing on on. Uh, show, don't show swearing to kids because they'll just repeat stuff and then when we found out it wasn't forget you and it was actually fuck you we were like oh right that makes more sense that makes more sense I just love to, <laughs> I'd love one, to... well, there's one thing that doesn't make sense about that scene because um, right afterwards uh, you would imagine that I, I think the the father says oh he's knocked this place over like three or four times yeah. he's like shooting holes out of the ceiling with a shotgun 
Um, I mean, this is a seriously violent criminal. And <laughs> he's gets tripped over. He doesn't actually get smashed in the face, which was a bit disappointing. But um, he gets he gets kind of like taken out by uh, Eddie Murphy and his bow stuff skills. Yeah. And then afterwards, he's sitting outside and his and the dad's like, oh, I don't think we'll be seeing him again anytime soon. And like, well, I'd, I'd like to think he'd been arrested <laughs> at the very least. Do you, do you think? Well, yeah, he would have been arrested. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, well, it, it sort of sounded to me like, oh yeah, you beat him up good. We won't see. He won't be coming back. And um, no, I assumed, I assumed he was arrested and he was carted off, and he maybe thought would think twice about upon release. He'll be out in twenty-eight days there. for yeah. good behaviour. Yeah, but, yeah. But no, I mean, I, on that subject, I think the, the part you're saying at the beginning where they land and they go to the barber shop, and I think at one point um, Eddie Murphy's barber says, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Who's next?" Yeah. I'm trying to. I don't remember him saying "forget you, forget you, forget you." No, I think they would have just edited around. Yeah, that. that'd just be probably chopped the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. A chop, yeah, chop bits out to, for for scene. But when Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. pointing, so I remember towards the camera. Yeah. They, they would do that. You, yeah. you know, uh, the Goonies, for instance. Uh, the first time I saw the opening minutes of the Goonies is when I got it on Blu-ray, and it was horrifying. <laughs> and I, got, like, I saw that film. I know twenty or thirty times as a child, and I never realised it had that really really terrifying beginning well I may, I, maybe I don't know I, again I, Goonies is a film that I would have just seen recorded from TV and it was there and I just played it again I don't think I've ever seen it on DVD and even then they, st- they still show that on terrestrial TV now at sort of four o'clock in the yeah. afternoon they definitely Sunday. didn't yeah. they definitely didn't in the 80s and that gives a score yeah sorry that gives us an overall score of 4.019063 it's in the fours yeah it's pretty high yeah Um so we, as we always do before going to record, we go to Twitter. And in this case, we're reviewing Coming to America uh, with Top Film Tip and Betamax Pod. So, guys, if you are following us on Twitter, do look out for these before we record. We'll put one of these things out to do comment, um, ask, asking for a short review, and we, we, we go on. So, um, Rich, do you want to give us that review? Um, yeah, so this was from Shaken Not Nerd. Um, they describe it as fun, entertaining, and still holds up. A must-watch classic, hashtag sexy chocolate, hashtag the Big Mick. <laughs> and um, they give it four out of five. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, guys, can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online and uh, tell us about anything you're up to that um, our listeners might want to follow you on? Yeah, so um, I do the Betamax Video Club podcast, uh, 80s films, everything from Rocky Four, James Bond to the Ewok movies. <laughs> um, I haven't touched Coming to America yet because I need to find the perfect vehicle for that i'm thinking i might do a live running commentary of that one with my friend who i saw that at the cinema with but um yeah that's uh, available in all good and bad podcasts so does that mean you've got some films that you've held in such high esteem that you're not going to talk about them on your show until this yeah i mean i've I've done dozens of episodes so far and i didn't want to sort of go too soon and i haven't done you know what you'd think are the big 80s classics i haven't done top gun or ghostbusters or back to the future yet because you know we need a bit of a back top gun another Latent sequel, Ghostbusters, another latent sequel. It's going to be interesting to see how these ones play out. There's a theme. Um, do you have you considered sourcing an old Betamax and some old tapes and um, I'm watching them in the original? Weirdly, I, I have some tapes that I've got off eBay. My prized possession is a Betamax tape of Superman Four, <laughs> filmed in Milton Keynes, I believe. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, I don't have a Betamax player at this point. I do have a VHS that I borrowed off a neighbour. And I've been watching some... I've still got the original Star Wars trilogy pre 
editing, I, messing around. I watched some VHS a little while ago, and it just—I think it might have even been, it might have been Clockwork Orange or something Kubricky, and it just remember it sounded like the audio had been recorded down a drainpipe, and you don't realise how lucky we are. It's days. like when my old, my I had my old car um, up until like a year ago up, up in Manchester player in it. with a cassette player, and I just put put my favourite mixtape that I had I made when I was like fifteen, and it sounds awful. Oh, yeah. It just sounds awful. I just think, what? We had to suffer through a lot, guys, yeah. <laughs> to get here. Obviously, it's not that bad. But it's still, yeah, VHS, Betamax, that kind of format was just it was just terrible. Terrible recreations. Yeah, but it's always what you had. Media, and yeah. it was better than not having anything at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. So it makes cinema all that more special. Yeah. Yeah. Ben. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, my name is uh, Ben. And if you are interested in films on TV or just finding out films that you might be of interest to you, um, you can follow my film content on Twitter at Top Film Tip. Um, if you have some bizarre interest in my personal life, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram as um, Seth Rogan Josh. And if you have any interest in science fiction, I wrote a young adult neuroscience fiction novel uh, called Winner Winner, and you can find out all about it on uh, winnerwinnernovel.com. Fantastic. Thank you very awesome. much, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Cheers. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production. 